Hey everyone, and welcome to the Weird World Podcast. Hi. Hi, my name's Carrie. I'm Jack. I'm Dean. What's Dean got for us today? I got a mystery. Well, actually, it's a murder case, but what? it's not a mystery insofar as we're going to have a solution before the day is done here. Well, okay. But it is... <laughs> A pretty amazing case. I'm, I I don't think I'm going to oversell this. This is this is has some amazing some twists, some turns, and a real amazing solution and and a, a great journey getting there. Huh? Do you think I've ever heard of it? Before? I think you have. It is the killing of Greg Flanagan. Okay. You'll probably Sounds recognize this interesting. eventually. Good old Greg. May he rest in pieces. Yes. Okay. Oh my God. Damn. That's terrible, Karen. Not a good way to start. He was a nice guy. We're going to acknowledge, by the way, we always have lots of sources here on Weird World, the podcast. In this, and I do have multiple sources for this, but in this case, I want to acknowledge by far the primary source and the best source is an article by Mark Bowden in Vanity Fair from something like 2012 or 2013. It's also a chapter in his great book, The Case of the Vanishing Blonde, which I highly recommend you get. I have it. He's got a, a bunch of great cases. He's kind of a crime writer. He's, 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 he wrote Black Hawk Down. He's a nonfiction writer, more than just crime, I should say. He wrote Black Hawk Down. He has, oh, crap, there's another one. He wrote a book about 9-11. He's, he's a really, really good nonfiction writer. What's his name again? Mark Bowden, B-O-W-D-E-N. Okay. So let's start with who was Greg Flanagan. Susie Flanagan. That's a different person. Had spoken to her husband, Greg the night of September 15th, 2010, because she always did when he was away from home. Home for him was in Lafayette, Louisiana, Hmm. but Greg's temporary home on this night was in room 348 of the MC Elegante Hotel in Beaumont, Texas. Ooh. Why that reaction? Where's Beaumont, Texas? I'll tell Beaumont, Texas. I'm sorry. (laughs) Greg was in Beaumont, which is a city of about 120,000, 85 miles, 137 kilometers east of Houston. So it's a fair-sized city. It is a good-sized city. He was in Beaumont because that was where he and his brother had an oil and natural gas lend lease business. Of I think I was going to say did. oil well, business <laughs> shit, just because you know Texas. Especially in that part. This is Southeast Texas, so That's it's true. oil country for sure. I think they more or less brokered mineral rights for landowners in Texas was kind of their job. They were kind okay. of middlemen, but they had a very successful business together. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they were fair. Girl. They didn't try to cheat people. Well, like the Clampets. Are you worried about the Clampets? They moved to Hel- Beverly Hills, if you recall, so they did just fine. <laughs> what about the land? That was your concern. So wait, you've never heard of Beaumont? You know, it sounds familiar, but yeah. I could never have been able to tell you where it was or what kind of size city it was. That's the thing, that thing about the United States, is that we have forgettable cities of over, you know, cities no one's ever heard of, over 100,000 people. There are yeah. countries with capital cities that yeah. are a fraction of that. It's just odd. Yeah, well. I Damn. I find it odd. The same could be said for China, China and India. Yeah. <laughs> Except for a lot true. more people than our That's very true. little rum-tum. What? That's not a word. Anyway. <laughs> rum-tum tugger of a town. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm brown. getting scared for both of you. <laughs> Lafayette, Louisiana, where he lived, was about 175 miles, 281 kilometers. That's weird. East of Beaumont, or about three hours by car. But Greg made that drive every week through the oil lands of southern Louisiana and into southeast Texas, because that's where, again, he and his brother's business was located. I, can't, I don't know why, but he lived in Lafayette. 
I so he basically every Monday morning would drive out to Beaumont, work for the week, stay in a hotel, and come back for the weekend to spend with his wife. Oh, for, uh, most times, most weeks. I would have thought he was traveling around all over the place, but yeah, I'm sure he was too. Like, but they had base, an office in Beaumont. Yes, they had the, the oh. office, the corporate headquarters was in Beaumont. That's Yikes. terrible. Yeah. Is it a choice to live in Lafayette? It's not, I mean, yeah, it's pretty no, far, but it's I terrible. That, but. How old was Greg? 55. Okay. He always stayed at the mostly nine story MC Elegante, which is conveniently located at the junction of Interstate 10 and Highway 96. They have good rates. Check them out. <laughs> Sorry. His room on September 15th was in the three story wing that overlooked the pool. So. Not nice to her hotel, but they kind of built on some add-on a couple of around the pool, and that's where his room was on the third story of that, that wing. Greg spoke to his wife every day, multiple times a day when he was gone. So when Susie could not reach him the morning of September 16th, she got worried. Later that morning, when she called Greg's work and found that he had not arrived, her worry began to be sure. on frantic. Yup. So Police, she, hello. Yeah. She asked Greg's coworkers to check on him. Go to the hotel, check and make sure he's okay. They did. And then none of them wanted to call Susie back and tell her what they had found. Oh, Whoa. no. So let's back up a little bit. Nope. Back to the night of September 15th, 2010. It was much like every night for Greg Flanagan, as I mentioned, when he spent time away from home. Greg was 55 years old and had long been a slave to routine. He liked things really nice and tidy, everything in its place. He would get into the hotel room and immediately hang up his clothes and put everything away. Wow. I Boring. I've never met a person like that before. Don't be a monster. Don't be a hater. That's exactly you. So I'm being a hater. Because <laughs> that's fucking How weird. else are you going to know point? where stuff is, man? What do you mean? Oh, you really? know if where it is. In, a hotel it's in your suitcase <laughs> where you didn't remove it from. Actually, you're thinking more when I get home. When I get home, I, I put everything away immediately. But in the hotel, I usually actually just leave it in the bag if I'm not staying there a very long time. You'll see. I'll he has you. to defend himself. Uh-huh. I do. I do. I feel like I should. Greg uh, Weird, though. I'm defending all tidy people. I've been in hotel rooms with you before. <sighs> I don't remember this. <laughs> anyway. So then he would put on his pajamas and get into the hotel bed for a night of TV and snacks. That was his routine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Greg did it pretty much every night he was gone. I How like do, his routine. Is this, did he tell people this? Well, yeah, he Probably talked to his wife, wife every yeah. night. Oh, that's yeah. weird. His wife knew, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. No, she knew exactly what he did. He got secrets. S- we'll see. We'll see. Ensconced in his third floor room, Greg always set the AC, the air conditioning, to freezing. Oh, God. He liked to snuggle up in bed under those really overstuffed hotel comforters and watch movies. So the room had to be almost like walk-in freezer cold, which I can sympathize with. Because, you know, they they have these grossly too warm comforters at most hotels. And then a sheet, so you have nothing in between. Super annoying hotels. Knock it off. That's why people turn the AC up so high. Sure. Because either they have a sheet and they're freezing cold or... They have this giant comforter and they're boiling hot when they wake up in the middle of the night. Mm, mm. I'll get off my soapbox. First world problems. It is. Greg <laughs> would lie in bed smoking. On this night, they know he was he lay in bed smoking because he had an ashtray on a hand towel on the comforter so he didn't spill any ashes on the comforter. Though undoubtedly, that comforter had seen much, much, much worse than yeah. just ashes. You're allowed to smoke in hotel rooms? In 2010, you were in Texas. You, yeah, this is Texas. Really? Texas. A little behind. 
California for those kinds of things. Do hotels still have like smoking floors or smoking? Uh, yeah, you know, I haven't traveled as much in these last yeah. few years, so I don't. I haven't noticed it. I haven't noticed either, except for Vegas. I know Vegas still allows some smoking in hotels. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Nevada, I think. Yeah. He, Greg, had all of his objects around him. So they would, <laughs> uh, he had his cigarettes and lighter. Then he had his BlackBerry because it's 2010. <laughs> and he, although that's a little late for BlackBerry, yeah. isn't it? It's getting there. He had the TV remote and he had his snack. On this night, it was a Reese's Crispy Crunchy candy bar <laughs> that he washed down with a bottle of root beer, both of which I'm sure he bought at the venue. Greg is there. so wholesome. He is. Although he was watching Iron Man 2, the worst Iron Man. Still on the quite hotel wholesome. TV. Yeah, he was. He was. Greg emailed Susie that night back in Lafayette. She was working on their taxes and she was struggling with them. So they, he signed off, you're doing good, babe. Yeah. Then, as the fake violence of Iron Man 2 blared on the TV screen, something did real violence to Greg Flanagan. Something, someone did tremendous damage to Greg that forced him out of his bed to stagger toward the hotel door. But Greg never made it out of his room. He fell face first onto the thin carpet in room 348. Smack. The next morning, that's when Susie got worried. Greg didn't call. And when she did call, remember, he didn't answer his, his cell phone. So she called the office. Greg's uh, coworkers went down and they knocked on room 348. No answer. They went and got the hotel manager to open the door for them, who did obligingly. And within minutes, an ambulance went careening toward the hotel because they went in there and they saw what they saw and they immediately called an ambulance. When the EMTs got there, there was nothing they can do. Greg was dead. In fact, he had been dead. His body was cold. Damn. Greg, in fact, had likely been dead by the time his face hit the floor. The body was doubled over as if it was in great pain. It's almost like quasi-fetal position. His left hand still clutched a cigarette, a burnt-out cigarette that he had not finished (laughs) smoking. Greg's skin had shaded into kind of a strange gray-blue color in this unusually warm room. Within an hour... Belt Beaumont Detective Scott Apple was on the scene. So the police got their EMTs, hmm. or the EMTs got there, couldn't do anything for them. They called the police. But nothing looked wrong. It's just there's a dead body. We need to call the police. He, what? What's wrong? What do you mean nothing looked wrong? I mean, nothing looked, there was no, like, was no didn't signs look like of any broken. violence. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, so he no, hadn't been beaten. Nothing. Or, nothing okay. like that looked wrong with the body. There was no, the, was the there room blood? was pristine. There was no blood. Huh. They just like, That's this guy weird. had a heart attack heart and attack, died. Yeah. yeah. But they still had to call the police just to be safe, as they knew, so they did. And Detective Scott Apple from the Beaumont PD Scott Apple. got there. It's you need day. to go work at Apple with that kind of last yeah. name, That's Mr. True. Scott. That's true. <laughs> Mr. Apple. He's a detective. So he assessed the room, and he found little help there. There had been no fight. He saw that right away. No break-in. The room, like I said, was pretty much pristine, except for that body lying on the floor. Money, in fact, was still in Greg's wallet. Several $100 bills, totally hmm. about $1,000 was wow. in the wallet still. It's not a robbery. Why does he have that many, that much cash Walking on him? Walking around, money, baby. Big spender. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he came, he's usually in Lafayette. He probably just makes sure he had plenty of cash for the week in Texas. I guess. Home. You have access Easier to the that way. Bank. Yeah, you do. You have a but card. What? You know, there's charges for out of area banks to that part, ATMs. Yeah. What? Two. $100 bills. $100 bills. Most places don't take $100 bills. Texas, they do. Everything's bigger. <laughs> as long as the $100 bills are smothered in gravy, I'm assuming. Yeah. So, Apple and some uniform police went around and they quizzed everyone in the nearby rooms, but no one had heard anything, anything odd or suspicious at all. Huh. So for, for Apple, it was time to guess. Okay, so what happened here? Did he, maybe he OD'd on drugs, he thought early on. So I he checked through thought. His, You thought drugs? He checked through his luggage and found no evidence whatsoever of any, any kind of drugs in his luggage or in his room. So he said, okay, well, Greg, though he was thin, kind of, he looked fit. He was also a chain smoker. He never exercised. So... Apple felt early on that this was a quote a natural causes thing. Yeah, it was. I don't know. A heart attack, something like that. He wasn't that old though. Yeah, but even he if you have a slightly not slightly, if you even if you have an unhealthy lifestyle, I would still be surprised yeah. if you yeah. just drop dead of a heart attack. Happens at, all the time. Yeah, happens That's all sure. the time. But it's at yeah, there's no sign of anything else. Yeah, so, I guess. Wait yeah. for the coroner's report, Mr. Scott. Sure, you're not sure. a doctor. One friend, though, when he first heard Greg had died, he thought maybe those damn cigarettes had finally caught up with him. So they, people maybe. did. They yeah. weren't surprised. In fact, Susie, when she was told the facts, the wife, she thought that Greg had been stricken by something and died the sudden death. He had often told her he, it was his preferred way to leave this world. What the hell, Greg? Well, that doesn't often happen. No, it doesn't. But he said, here's what Greg said. He said, and Carrie sounds wistful that that doesn't often happen, which is a little weird somehow. Oh, I wish. Oh, to be Greg. Oh, <laughs> that's mom. To die suddenly. Greg had said, lucky bastard, when Susie told him about, a, a, I guess, a friend of theirs who had died suddenly, said, that's how I want to go. So it appeared he had. Huh. Greg, uh, this is just strike two. You're a weirdo, Greg. Oh, he's not. Yeah, well, that's a weird thing I, to say. I, Would you I understand that. Yes, he doesn't want to suffer a like long, drawn-out illness. Yeah. It can I be mean, sudden and painful. True. A heart attack is sudden yes. and very painful. He's probably, you know, was dreading lung cancer or something probably like that. Probably so. true. Assuming right, that's yeah. what he was going to die of. I bet he was. So. Emphysema. Yeah. I prefer to just go to bed and not wake up. There you go. Yeah, this is nice. When I'm 99 and a half. 99 and a half. With a, in, a, in a garage with a car on. Is that what you mean? Okay, no. that got weird. <laughs> no. So this at this point, the in case... In bed next to my second husband. Whoa, <laughs> shit. Ooh, after okay. killing the that's first fine. one. That's fine. All right. I'll be long dead by the time you're 99, so that's, that's fine with me. Then the case butted head on against... Ego. What? That ego belonged to oh. Dr. Tommy Brown. He, like Detective Apple, thought that this looked like some kind of a natural death, right? Was. And he had been the coroner there for decades. He was a legend within the legal and law enforcement community there. So when it, when it came to what had killed the dead, his word was gold. Boo. Brown also prided himself on speed. He thought that he could do a good, solid post-mortem in 45 minutes flat, no more. What? Huh. Hey, it's his thing, man. He was good. No. Yeah, he could cut you open, look at the inside, scan your outside, weigh your organs, all while keeping up his constant pattern to a tape recorder for the form that he would have to fill out afterwards, and boom, he didn't need more than 45 minutes. 
Huh. Do it. He's good, man. He's good. We love Tommy Brown. I don't. That sounds bad. It, it's going to be. So Tommy Brown took a look at Greg Flanagan, splayed out on his stainless steel table, and he did, did you know, his body scan. He didn't find any sign whatsoever, really, of any injury or external cause of death. There was, however, a little scrape on his cheek, but he figured, okay, that's where his face hit the floor when he collapsed. Uh-huh. And, but he also found a little cut on his ball sack, also known as a scrotum, <laughs> a little like a little abrasion, and uh, it was well. and the and the scrotum was a little swollen, and a little there's a little dribble of fluid, and then the whole groin area was also badly bruised. I so, think I know where this hmm. might be going. He's thinking, thought Brown. So Brown opened up Greg, right? And he says, Uh-oh. inside he found a very different story. There was copious blood and really nasty internal damage. Some digested food from his stomach had been torn or ripped from Ooh. his intestinal tract, and there were little cuts on the intestines. He also found lacerations on his stomach and his liver, two broken ribs, and a small hole or rupture in the right atrium of Greg's heart. That's not good. Lord. How no. does that happen with like nothing on the outside? What? To, to Dr. Brown, the solution was simple. Someone had beat the shit out of Greg Flanagan. Yeah, but the only bruising was in his groin area, right? That's what you said. Yeah. You he said thought, there were no external Well, he signs. thought someone had crushed something hard under Flanagan's chest. Oh, and that could Giles like, Corey. And also that same person, or maybe a co-attacker, maybe there's more than one person, had also like steel-toed kicked him right in the goods as hard as yeah. he could. He thought those two things could have easily God. done the damage that he found inside Greg really? Flanagan. Like Cock all the way up torture. to your heart? The pressing. The pressing, and but he also, a, a violent oh. rupture yeah. to the groin could cause tremendous internal damage as well. Holy moly. So I don't like me, that at one bit. No, I don't either. No, no male listening likes that at no, all. No, no female. No female. Females like it, they have but empathy. not... They don't like it as much. Yeah, because if we they got kicked there like it. that hard, it, it, you know... No, it just feels good. You still know our pain. There are a few dumb... I mean, you're talking about pregnancy, but trust me, this is much worse. Just kidding. So, well, yeah, that would be much worse than probably. Pregnancy. Yeah, in fact, it killed him. Brown yeah. thought it was he had actually seen this kind of internal damage well. in car wreck victims. Car crash. Whoa. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. How does that happen? But Greg had been nowhere other than his hotel room, and he the managed to keep night. a cigarette in his hand. Yes, he did. Was it a Murphy bed? No. <laughs> That's always my fear. <laughs> I just saw something about that, that people have died in Murphy beds. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's probably like suffocation, though, yeah. right? Not still, being you being trapped in a Murphy bed? I don't want to. No, I don't want to either. The attack had caused the internal destruction, which had led to internal bleeding, and that then caused Greg to bleed out in no more than 30 yeah. minutes, probably less. Wow. Holy shit. So he had been attacked. He, was, he struggled, tore the door, collapsed, and bled out on the floor. But bled out internally, right? Yeah, there was exactly. no blood. Completely okay. internally, yep. That's the worst part. Wow. Just a bag full of blood just sloshing around. Ugh. Sorry, Greg. But what this meant was that Greg Flanagan had been murdered. Yeah. So he knew how, Dr. Brown said. He said, it's up to you, Detective Apple, to figure out who. That's where the case was. So Beaumont, despite being in Texas, it's actually a pretty safe place. In 2010. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> sorry, there? Texas. All right. Well, no, nah, I'm, I'm not at all. They have a lot of guns. Yeah, they do. In 2010, when Greg was killed, he was one of only 10 murders in the city, which is a fairly low uh, death rate, uh, wow. murder rate. This Wait, for that year? For that year, yeah. Yeah. It's a city of 120,000, so that's, I mean, it's well, not... 
I don't know. How many murders do you think we have a year in our city? Probably more oh, than this 10. city. Well, I, I, oh, I think we do have more than 10. I don't yeah. think so. Uh, probably something like that. I'm going to look it up, but okay, I don't you look think it up. so. All right. I mean, I'm not looking it up right now. No, you're not. But this murder was different. This was actually a, a real whodunit. So Detective Apple had something he could kind of sink his teeth into because mostly it's just you, you know, question the usual suspects. So, you know, somebody's having a fight with is internal. You, you figure it out pretty quickly. Right. Go ahead. So I haven't found it yet. For, oh, no, I'm just okay. trying. I'm listening and looking. For us. I am looking, though. <laughs> Who came into Greg Flanagan's room as he spent another quiet night with snacks and movies and then beat him so viciously it looked like something had ripped through his insides? That was Detective Apple's task here. So he worked the case, but he hit nothing but dead ends immediately. Greg did not seem to have any enemies in the world. He was very well liked. The wife is usually, of course, the first suspect, so he thought, okay, we know she was in Lafayette, but did she hire someone, maybe? Yeah. And but he not found Susan. It, not Susie. You don't think Susie? No. 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 Uh, Detective Apple found out very quickly. They got on very, very well. Yeah. Uh, Ask all. He talked to her, her friends. There was nothing there at all. And to investigators, she seemed absolutely crushed by yeah. Greg's death. Greg and Susie, by the way, actually had been married twice. Once when very young, she said, well, we're just kids. They got divorced pretty quickly. They'd separated. Oh. They'd been separated for, I think, like 15 years. And then they remet and re-fell in love and got remarried. And that second marriage now had been 15 years on when he died. Wow. Work was also a dead end. Everyone there also seemed to like Greg. All his professional contacts liked him. The folks at the actual office liked him. His brother, who was his business partner, said he was well-liked by everybody in the company, everybody professionally. And the police did look into the brother as well. Maybe yeah. there was some, because they were business partners, but they right. found absolutely nothing there as well. And his brother said, look, I, when, when in town for work, he really did. He went to the office, went back to the hotel, and that was it. He was not out carousing at the bar scene ever. But he, uh, Apple checked this as well and found that no one had, could ever find no him? one at any of the bars where he had ever been seen he was just not that kind of person. I mean, are they able to like check phone and internet records and see I'm if sure. he was like? I'm, I imagine they, they had could, a yeah. secret life. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. Sure we would yeah. know then. He could have just been more on the down low, but in terms of any, yeah. they could find no evidence whatsoever that he was out carousing. Yeah. Wow, that's surprising because that was honestly my first thought. He had some sort yeah. of secret life right. where he was into cock and ball yeah. torture. What now? The bruises on the crotch. Yeah. Oh, ooh, yeah. People like that. that. S&M kind of stuff. Yeah, maybe. Or something. And it went oh, wrong. I like that Carrie's explaining that. <laughs> Let me just, you know what? I'll tell you later. I'll just explain. In fact, I'll show you later. Ew, you made it weird yeah. as usual. <laughs> no one in any of the surrounding rooms of the hotel, all, as I mentioned, saw anything remotely suspicious. But he went back and he asked everybody a second time. And then there was that overarching kind of peculiarity of the pristine room. There was just no sign yeah. of a struggle, well, let alone the kind of fight that would have resulted in the beating that Greg yeah. took. I mean, that's, that's a violent death. Unless yep. there wasn't a struggle because the person was let in voluntarily at first, yeah. maybe, and then somehow caught him off guard. Yeah, but the fact that he still had a cigarette in his hand just uh, that's won't that's leave true. my mind. Yeah, that's weird. That is strange. They also, so they checked hotel security video footage 
Greg didn't leave, and no one mysterious or suspicious was let into his room. Yeah, um, but I, I, I how, had like a um, you know oh, like the, a key card a key card thingy. Yeah, and you can there's records for yes. that. Are you there records every of every time. time he opens and closes his door? I think so. Every time you use so. the card, I believe there is like a little boop boop. Yeah, because if he yeah. ju- if someone knocked and he just opened it, there wouldn't be a record of it. Oh, I don't think maybe, uh, but I don't know. Maybe not. Are I there not security so. cameras in the hallways? There now. Well, yes. Well, at least there are security cameras on all the exits and entrance. So oh. he didn't leave, and no one that looked suspicious came in. No thuggy looking person that wasn't a guest or a friend of well, a guest came okay. in that they could track. Okay, See, but an unassuming which, person could yes, have that's true. gone in and yes, yes. They, so, there's no camera yeah. trained on his door where they no, would see. No, okay, no. But as far as they can tell, yeah. From what evidence they did have, no one mysterious came in. Yeah, he didn't leave the room or hmm. come back with his key card. What happened, so that Greg? was weird. And, and again, and, and just the, the pristineness of the room really threw Detective Apple. He thought it was yeah. odd given the, the cause of death. It is yeah. weird. It's and, and, violent. And then there was kind of the wounds themselves. The, again, though internally Greg was a mess, externally his torso didn't exhibit any kind of damage that could have caused that given the force that would have had to have been involved to inflict those kind of wounds. I mean, cracked ribs, tears in the heart, liver, and stomach. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to me that I don't see how even the hardest of kicks could... Go all the way up to Not the heart. Not a kick. That's the pressing. But Remember, he yeah, said again, he, he thought he thought there's two things. Something heavy was pressed on him on his oh. chest, and he was kicked yeah. violently in the groin. Like in the crucible. Remember reading the yeah. crucible to Giles Corey? They pressed yeah. him with a big piece of rock and like. And blank. that was the only external damage was the bruising to the groin. Yeah, that was it. which is yeah. weird, man. Detective Apple, though, he doggedly pursued the case. He chased evidence wherever it could be found. And again, he, he found that Greg was not out doing things at night. He checked the hotel maintenance logs, though, and he found that there had been a little bit of a mishap in room 348 that night. Greg had blown a fuse. Truly, oh. not figuratively. <laughs> he, he was popping popcorn in that cheap hotel microwave, oh. and it blew a fuse, and it cut power to his room, the room next door, room 349, and to the room directly below 348, so I guess 248. And That's weird. So after calling down to the lobby, Greg waited for the maintenance worker to come up and fix the circuit breaker. So the maintenance worker did come up, and he kind of sheepishly admitted to the maintenance worker, yeah, this is on me. I was popping popcorn. Sorry about that. Well, if there's a microwave, Wait. you'd expect no, I, to be able to nice use guy. it. He's a okay. nice guy. So he's just saying, I, this is my fault. Yeah. Still, Detective Apple goes, okay, so someone had been into Greg's room that night. It was a hotel worker, but he was still a a human being. Let's look into this guy. Who is this maintenance man? So Detective Apple did, and he found that the maintenance man had a record as a sex offender. Uh Uh-oh. So he's just, you know, his imagination goes wild. Had had something happened there? Had something led to something really bad happening in room 348 that got him beaten? Just the kind of person you want having access to people's hotel rooms? Uh, yeah. Yeah, obviously yeah. they're not doing extreme background checks. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, no, 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 no. Apple, though, could not find anything definite. He would have a lingering suspicion of this guy for a while, though. He wouldn't let it go right away. He thought I mean, something, I get it, honestly. Yeah. Logically, he's something literally weird. the only person who's yeah. been in the room. Well, some kind of assault, you know. And this guy was this guy had a record. He he could be violent. You know, he did. He would, he would continue to look into the maintenance man. Well, so and he questioned with, him, and what did the maintenance man yeah. say? The maintenance man said nothing. I left at about eight thirty. I fixed the circuit breaker, got the power back on, and left. That was that. Hmm. Hmm. They didn't question like his family, like to see if he came home well, late sure that he, night oh. after murdering a man. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he was at the hotel working. So. That's true. Huh. 
The other lead know. from the power outage led to the room next door, 349. In there, Detective Apple found out were some electricians. There was a large group oh, of electricians oh, staying at the hotel. How handy. Because they're, <laughs> I know, oddly enough, but they're like, I don't know, you know, industrial electricians. There's a big job they were doing in Beaumont. They were from Wisconsin. Oh. Uh, one of the group of them was from Wisconsin, and they're doing a big job. They're, they'd be there for months. Famous traveling electricians. Famous traveling electricians from Wisconsin. <laughs> Several. A long way to go. Yeah. Well, so, a firm. They hired the firm, and they're in the firm. The firm. <laughs> they were for firm. <laughs> so they were firm more. I don't know. <laughs> uh, several of these electricians congregated in one of their other's rooms at night often to kind of wind down. The party room. Yeah. To have sex. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the electrician sex. No. Uh, <laughs> they, probably pl- they probably caused They're the from power Wisconsin. outage. They're drinking some PBR and watching the big game. Would people from Wisconsin have sex? No, what? I don't, I don't believe that's true. Had so he's thinking, had the, did the power go out and that got somebody pissed off? They're That's what I drunk. thought. Drunk, they're like right in the middle of the big game there, and it goes out. You know. and they go, and they and they hear him telling the maintenance guy, "As my bad, I caused this." And they confront him, and a fight ensues. They had to see the end of the Packers. Yeah, this is September fifteenth. I don't think the Packers. I think it's probably a Monday or two. So I can't remember. Oh my <laughs> god. Anyway, keep anyway, going. Detective Apple questioned them, and he. They admit nothing. They, have, they hmm. had no interaction at all with Greg. They kind of barely knew there was a guy next door at all. He was just that, that quiet do- guy in the next room. And in fact, nine days after Greg died, Apple and another detective decided to question electricians again, and they brought along a hidden video camera. And the, the guys seemed completely normal, totally cooperative. One of them was named Lance Miller and Tim Steinmetz were two of the electricians. They were the ones actually registered in room 348 and were staying, I'm sorry, room 349 and were staying there next to Greg. They, as a matter of fact, had been in the hall when the gurney had come out later that day oh. on the 16th with Greg's body. Yikes. And it, you know, they thought just, gosh, what a shame. They asked Apple what, you know, what, what happened? happened? That poor guy next door who died in the, in the, in the room. And the answer was odd. Apple said it was like something huge and heavy had fallen on him and crushed him. Wait, he knew that already? Yeah, the coroner had already had his report. This oh, is wait. nine days later. This is the nine They're, days later. They, I thought you were talking about He goes back, though, to re-talk oh, okay. to them. Mueller was like, that's weird. There's nothing in the room heavy enough to do that. Yeah. That, is, that seems very odd. He was just as baffled as Apple was. Yeah. And he and Steinmetz said they had heard Greg coughing when they returned from the hotel bar late that night, but they never heard any kind of a crashing sound or anything like that whatsoever. Three more electricians from the crew named Scott Hamilton, Trent Passano, and Tom Elkins were staying at a room just down the hall. They too had heard or seen nothing unusual or strange at all. In fact, Passano said, you know, wait, I was actually partying with Tim and Lance in room 349 for much of that night, and I can confirm we didn't hear anything weird. Yeah. And you think if they could hear him coughing, they would hear yeah. uh, an assault. You would think or, so. That was yeah. later, though. They were, that part. they were gone for quite a while after that. So when Pisano oh. left, they were oh. gone. They went down to the bar. The two oh. of Steinmetz and Mueller went down to the bar and didn't come up to like midnight, and that's when they heard Greg coughing and they went to bed. Okay. But I mean, he's a cigarette smoker, so that again yeah, is not out true. of the ordinary that's at all. True. Well, so he was still alive when after they yes. got back when they heard the coughing. So that's true. Correct. Yep. Look they were go. there when the yes. when he died. Yes. 
So all of the electricians gave Apple their cell phone numbers and content info and said they'd be, they'd be happy to help anytime they could. Call me, call us anytime. And they'll be there for another couple of months on this job. And that's basically where the case kind of semi-died, at least for a while. Weeks, then months, and Apple continued to come up with nothing. He again tried the Susie angle. He went back to that. You know, again, has she hired somebody? He, he checked the brother again. He can find nothing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No evidence whatsoever. No business issues or problems with the company. He was doing fine. So there's, no, there's nothing. In November 2010, just a couple months after, the family trying to generate some interest in the quickly chilling case uh, offered a $50,000 reward to anybody with information, and nothing came from that. Michael, his brother, even hired a private detective from Houston, who's a former FBI agent, and nothing ever came of that. Detective Apple said he came in one day, went through the files, and never saw him again. <laughs> so uh, either he, he didn't try very hard, yeah. but regardless, the case had gone very yeah. cold by this time. So we're going to have to have a new detective, aren't we? Yeah. Ken Brennan. Ken Brennan. He was famous. At least he was famous in certain mm, circles. Yeah. I never heard of this. Not Ken. in my circle. Not in your circle, not most people's circles. But if you needed a private detective who had a reputation of never failing and you could afford his sizable retainer, then you got, you got, you probably got Ken Brennan's name from a friend of a friend. But if you tracked him down, he was considered the best in the business. Okay. Susie Flanagan had j done just that. She actually had a, a friend who saw him on, uh, he was profiled on like a, like a 2020 or something like that, mm -hmm. a TV show for one of his cases he had cracked. Well, then I should know him. That's <laughs> true. And months had gone by and she said, you know, remember I told you about that detective, Ken Brennan, you, you should call him now. Nothing's happening. This case is cold. This is now in 2011, I believe. Who said that? Susie? The friend. The oh, friend of okay. Susie's. Oh, okay. She got the number for Susie. Susie got the number. And she was desperate for justice. She wouldn't let this rest. So she called Brennan when she got that number. And to her surprise, he answered his own phone, not a receptionist. Oh, wow. In fact, he was on a golf course in Florida <laughs> where he lived. And he's like, hello, this is Ken Brennan. She was thrown because she expected, like, wait, shouldn't you have a secretary answers your phone? You're a famous private detective. So she was really nervous when she's talking to him, but she just like rattled off the case. She rattled off all the fakes and the beats of the case and what had happened and how it had gone cold. And again, to her surprise, Brennan said, okay, you know what? Send me some files. I guess he listed some files he wanted her to send him and I'll take a look. When Susie mentioned that it might take a day or so because she was feeling sick lately, Brennan's response was, well, you need to fucking take care of yourself. <laughs> Ah. Well, but also, what files does she have? Wouldn't the, pol she it would the pol be police she, stuff? You can request that stuff. But Some it's an open it. investigation. Whatever. She has files. Maybe I like a care. police report or something like that. Don't laugh. Okay. Files. <laughs> I don't know. Mom. Uh, obviously, it would be the file 1246 slash eight. I don't know. <laughs> files here. Files. Because that was kind of Ken Brennan in a nutshell. He was this gruff ex-New York cop on Long Island. He had been an ex-DEA special agent. Oh, God. But now he's this PI in Florida who only took cases that grabbed his attention. He, he had way more demand than he had supply of time. Well, so, he had time to golf, so. Uh, he had some time to golf, and he had, but he also had time to give a shit about people, Carrie. He was worried about her health. He said, you know, you <laughs> fucking sure. take care of yourself, okay? He was nearly 60 years old, and he's built like an... Like one of those old dude who still hits the gym and maybe puts a little something something in his protein drink, 
but he was really good. Because that's how they take steroids in their protein drinks. Sure, why not? I don't know. I don't take steroids. <laughs> so, oh, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that's what, what did you oh. think? That was my reference there. I don't okay. really know. He's, he's a pretty buff dude. He's, he's kind of old. Oh, okay. And I mean, I'm, I'm joking. He probably doesn't. He just, hey, hey, no I know, pain right? again. He's Please alive. don't sue us, Kim Brennan. Allegedly. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and in the Flanagan case, he did see some possibilities, right? He thought this, you know, there's some angles here. I can solve this. There are kind of places to attack it and angles to explore. He thought there's Greg's work. There's the wife. There's his whole life back in Louisiana. His extended family, maybe. There's those electricians, that yeah. sex offending maintenance man, and who knows, anyone else that had maybe come in and had just gone unnoticed. Well, the bottom of my list would be his wife, since she contacted him. That's that true, part. but you know, <laughs> you he got had a lot of experience. That probably happened before. Leave no stone unturned. Yep. Yeah. He, was, he was super thorough. In fact, he told Susie right up front, he goes, I'm going to run down everything. And this includes if Greg really was the always faithful, right. quiet man alone yeah. in the hotel room or not. So I'm going to find out yeah. that Obviously. kind of thing yeah. if it occurred, if he was just a little bit of a on-the-down-low philanderer. Yeah. A freak. So she said, I don't, I don't care. I'll, I can stand anything you find, and I'll tell you everything. So Brandon started by interviewing her. He, he talked to Susie for length, and he interrogated her you know, pretty thoroughly, and nothing seemed to be jumping out. So he finally ended the interview with her, that initial interview anyway, just by asking her, is there anything you, yeah. in this case, you thought was weird or just made you go kind of, huh? I don't get that. That's a good ask. It is. And guess what? She did have something like that, as a matter of fact. Susie told Brendan the room had been too warm the morning That's, that he was found. Yes. Did you notice that? Yeah, I, I did, did notice, notice that, that. And too. I know why that could be. Potentially. Why, why? Speed of decomposition. Less mm. evidence. But that's, that's just one possibility. Well, that's not the way he went. Remember, Greg's coworkers had said, gosh, the, the room was stifling hot. It's very hot yeah. when we got it. Do you want to know morning. what I would think that yeah. would mean? What do you think? That would lead me to suspect the maintenance man mm. because that would mean it happened before. So say the electricity goes mm. out and so the thermostat went out mm-hmm. and so it it defaulted back to a normal setting or something not the way he Greg liked it. the room mm-hmm. so Greg didn't have a chance to set it back down to yeah. 65 ah. or whatever he puts yep. it at before like he got hurt I like that. I see like you that. smart yeah. I, you could play video games <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that those two things go together but deductive reasoning in video games absolutely well, but for now though Brennan just kind of put that away she told him look I, I know for a fact he infamously right. turned the AC down way, way, way low. So it's, I was, it, it, it was yeah. strange to me that they told me the room was so warm. Yeah. Meaning it likely somebody turned it up. See, I would, if a killer did it on purpose, I would expect them to turn the thermostat down. They would want the room to stay colder My, so yeah. it would take longer for the body to start smelling and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, that I makes think sense. So too. I would think so too. Yeah. yeah. If they thought of that, that's a, that's a hard thing. It's sure. Spur yeah. of the moment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You don't think about those things yeah. when you murder. Yeah, you know, I'm sure you can first. I know. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not that we would know. Brennan always tried to get along with law enforcement, local law enforcement, when he started a case. Well, so I not, would hope so. Yeah. But not, you know, On not, TV, like I said, not everybody yeah. does. He did here. So he called Detective Apple before he ever set foot in Beaumont and said, you know, I want to work with you on this case. I, I wouldn't be like almost part of the team. 
I will be that second pair of eyes. If I find anything, I'll tell you. I will not fuck up your case. And Apple said, sounds good. And yeah. Apple liked him immediately. So the case was on again. That's now good. with Ken Brennan on, on the a team. A little team. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. They need to make a movie out of this. They, They'd be they like, honestly actually, should. No, no this fuck a, buddy cop movies. I'm tired it's of them. No, it's not a buddy cop Half movie. Half buddy cop. They should make a, a movie with this. One's a cop. Okay. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's not the main focus. I, you don't have to make that the main focus, the relationship of the, of the two you know, law enforcement types. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm but if it's about it. the investigations, you know, it's it would be. It would be. Yeah. But you don't have to have it just, I mean, that doesn't have to be the central focus. Yeah. Fuck you the tell it through Susie's eyes, even though she wasn't even there. Yeah. Hmm. There you go. <gasps> yeah, I like that. <laughs> so Apple and Brennan sat down in the Beaumont police station and they reviewed all of the evidence together, right? And then Brennan, to Apple's tremendous annoyance, said, you know what? I know what happened. I know when it happened, and I think I know who did it. It was kind of like this monk moment, but in real yeah. life. And he goes, I just have one more question. I'm going to call Susie right now back in Louisiana. Let me ask you this question. So he did. Yes. Brennan called <laughs> Susie back in Louisiana and said, was Greg right-handed or left-handed? She said, right-handed. She ah. said, and he asked, okay, when he smoked, did he always keep the cigarette in his right hand? She said, yes. He said, always, every time. She said, absolutely, always, every time he smoked with his right hand. She was dead sure of it. So because Brennan had noticed that Greg had been on the floor in room 348 with that burnt out cigarette still pinched between the fingers of his left hand. Boom. So he thought, had the attacker done that? Yeah. Put the cigarette back into his left hand. Without knowing. And he thought, that Hmm. seems weird. But he also thought, there's no way Greg would have held the cigarette through the beating that That severe. So, and again, he thought, I, I, I just feel like it's ludicrous that they're going to put, you know, it was like, it'd be like one of those cheap mystery novel clues is like, and the right. killer put it in his left. Literally hand. Poirot. And Greg was right handed. Case solved. It just seemed yeah. unreal to him. He didn't think it, was, it could happen. Right. But then he said, what did that indicate to him? It said that Greg had lit a cigarette and then not long after that had died. Yes. Because the cigarette hadn't even burned out yet. Uh-huh. And he thought he also knew why, how the cigarette got from Greg's right hand to his left hand. Let's leave that for a moment. Okay. Put, put a, pin, a in pin in that. I have an idea. We're putting a pin in okay. it. Okay. You and Ken both, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell us your idea? Well, I'm just thinking maybe something was going on with the thermostat, so he needed his right hand. Because you can't turn uh, the to the left hand? Maybe not. No, okay. You're if he, that if he, uncoordinated. His left hand hey, if he couldn't smoke with his left hand, <laughs> well, then. I'm assuming he smoked with his right hand because he lit with his left hand, or yeah. just that's his comfortable hand. His you know, hand. habit. See, I habit, think. Maybe, usually, maybe. I think all my extensive smoking experience, yeah. uh-huh. smokers would hold it in their left hand and light it with their right because it's you're more coordinated to flick mm. the lighter. Yeah, that's true. With I, your I, right I, hand, I don't know. And well, then, see, grew up with smokers my entire life. Yeah, did they do that? Yes. So did I. And <laughs> they smoked with their left hand because they were doing things with their right. You know, hmm. if you if you had to write, if you were sitting at your desk, you were smoking with your left. But I'm I mean, pretty I, sure my his mom, wife, who I mean, knew him very well, said sure. that he smoked I, yeah, with his no, right. I, so yeah, I'm inclined yeah. to believe yeah. her rather yeah. than so, you, mama. But anyway, he was doing something with his, and he needed his right yeah. hand. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that's possible. A potentiality. Yeah. Now, let's go back to that thing about knowing when Greg had died. 
that part, Brennan thought, was easy. A little bit. Well, he knew from Susie that Greg, again, always liked to crank the AC up way, way, way high. And the room he was found in September, uh, a room in September in Texas would be hot. Yeah. Why? Well, he thought because the AC must have gone off when the fuse was blown and the power went out and it reset to off, not to a lower oh. temperature or default oh. temperature. True. But it, it yeah. just entirely Ambient. turned it off. Yeah. Oh, no, though. And so the maintenance man comes up, he fixes it, and Brandon was sure did not, the maintenance man did not kill Greg. He thought the maintenance man left, and the record showed that the maintenance man left at about 8.30, and the power was back on. Yeah. And and we know he was alive around midnight. And Greg was was left alone in his room. Hmm. So, Brandon, well, do we? Because it's about 8.30. And Brandon reasoned that Greg must have died right after that soon after that, because he almost certainly got back into his bed and snuck it up under the blanket like he did every yeah. single night. He would have turned the air back not on. Not thinking to turn the AC back on. Wait, what? No, 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 no. Yes. Why? Because the, the, because the air was very, because the room oh, was stifling hot in the morning. Yeah. He forgot to turn the air conditioning back on, get back, but got back on, onto his bed. Brennan then reasoned, it wouldn't. It's September. Even in, in the he evening, he would have known. He would have yeah. figured out the AC wasn't on within minutes. I yeah. agree. So oh, by, okay. I know where this is going. By Brennan's reasoning, he died very soon after. I agree. Eight thirty. Yeah, I agree too. There's no way he would have noticed the AC wasn't on. Yeah. Yes. He would have noticed that without being covered up, let alone covered yes. up. Retweet. Yeah. So whatever happened to him happened within a few minutes because Texas, as Brennan said, quote, in September, as hot as fucking Belmont, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> He's not wrong. It's yeah. hot as fuck over here, so I can only imagine how yeah. it isn't over there yeah. in Texas. And those tend to be, you don't have the window open. They, hotel rooms do get very, very stifling oh, without the AC God. on. So. Yeah. Duffy. So Greg lights a cigarette after getting back in bed with the AC off, unknown to him, and he's going to be dead soon, and not because Gwyneth Paltrow has a prominent role in Iron Man 2, although that oh. could possibly cause that. My God. Grennan had a scenario that would put the cigarette in Brennan's wrong hand as well. How? He said, when whatever happened to Greg happened, right, he rose from the bed and he lurched toward the door. Naturally, he said he'd reach for the door with his right hand. Mm-hmm. So he put the cigarette into his left hand and reached for the door and collapsed and died. Means nothing to me. I mean, <laughs> you can't you can't turn a doorknob with your with left your hand. Left hand. Well, but also, a minute ago, you thought you couldn't change the, the thermostat with your left hand. Well, but yeah. I mean, that's it, true, Mom. He's trying to look for a way uh, sure. that, to get that from his I right, guess. the cigarette from his right hand to his left hand. And that way yeah. actually does make sense. The more well, logical, yeah. well, why wouldn't he just drop the cigarette entirely? Yeah. If something extreme happened to you, Honestly, yeah. I just dropped that shit and ran. And also, that makes me think somebody yeah. put it in his left hand afterwards. But also, but you I don't, don't lunge for the phone. You lunge for the door. Well, you're, you're, something happened yeah. to you. We yeah, don't know it, what. Yes. And depending on how traumatic, you don't always discombobulate the first exactly. right thing exactly. to do. You just want to so get out and, and call for help. Yeah. Especially if there's somebody in the room attacking you, you're trying to get out of That's the room. True. That's a good point, Mama. So, <laughs> so Brandon had this guy, his scenario had this guy peacefully lying in his room smoking. When something awful happens, he gets out of bed, but he's dead before he can reach the doorknob. And again, he thinks, how does this jive with being beaten horrifically? Yeah. yeah. So on top of the 
who done it? He had a how done it. That's the uh-huh. weirdest part about the cigarette. It's very weird. Is yeah. That yeah, it is. You can sustain that bad of an injury. And still have it. Yeah. And still right. even have Not the drop cigarette. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Brennan thought, I need to go talk to Tommy Brown, the coroner. Yeah. He's the world's fastest coroner. I need to have a discussion <gasps> with him. Yeah. He mulled over the injuries with Brown in an interview, and particularly that badly bruised scrotum and groin, which, again, were the only real external injuries. Brown thought, Dr. Brown, the coroner, thought, yeah, a violent kick with a steel-toed boot could have caused that kind of damage. So Brennan goes, you know what? Those industrial electricians, I bet you they wear steel-toed boots. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. But a lot of people in Beaumont, Texas, buy steel-toed boots. You said it's an oil but gas they all, kind of town. But they all—they weren't located next door to the murder That's victim. That's true. That's these guys true. were. Yeah. So he thought maybe the how of the death could lead to the who. Steel-toed yes. boots. These mm-hmm. guys have steel-toed boots. They're right next door. We're drunk. A bunch of drunken, maybe rowdy electricians. His best bet. He thought maybe. So he left that angle to Apple and some colleagues who were going to re-interview. Electricians. Meanwhile, Brennan thought, I'm going to go back to the video. So it goes back to the surveillance video from Wait, the hotel. Wait, can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. No. How long has it been? Are they it's all still months. in town? So, no. okay. So they're, they're back, back. They've gone back home, yeah. Okay. It's been many months. He goes back to the video and he sees very little there. Again, doesn't see anybody suspicious coming in, doesn't see Greg leaving. Uh, he did see Greg arrive for work, and that's the last you see of Greg on, that, on the video that night. He also saw some of those electricians go out exit and come back in a couple of times for short periods as if they're going to the car to get something maybe yeah. in the parking lot mm-hmm. drunk could that mean something he didn't know yeah i mean it could have been for booze yeah who knows yeah they're drunk people they could just be running around having fun that's true going doing, back to the car for some booze doing shit with my friends <laughs> <laughs> so it's late may now the electricians had gone back to wisconsin months ago as a matter of fact Brandon thinks, okay, if something's going on by that angle, it's human nature that gossip's going to get around. Someone's going to talk. If something happened that night, some people back in Wisconsin involved in that electrician crowd are going to know. Somebody yeah. should have said something. Yeah. So what? We're talking three, four, five electricians were in that oh, room? More, three in that room for part of the night. Two spent the night there, and but there was a large crew. Again, three more were in, a room, were in rooms down the hall. There was yeah. a large group of electricians in that hotel at the time. Partying. Right. Yeah. Partying. Hey, working hard. Well, no, I'm not saying anything about it. I mean, they deserve to party after working That's with true. them steel-toed boots That's all day. That's true. That's true. <laughs> In the hot Beaumont, Texas sun. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? I don't want to. Brennan and Apple talked to all of the electricians again, including those who really had you know nothing to do with the Mueller crew that night, right? Yeah. One of them, he was the foreman of the crew, as a matter of fact, and his name was Aaron Bork. He had heard something about what happened down there. So he tells, he tells Brennan and Apple, he says, yeah, I heard something about a gun going off at a boarding house. Wait, and what? Detective Apple says, no, uh, you must be thinking of a different case. And this was a guy who was beaten to death at a hotel called the Elegante. And Borg said, no, I've never heard anything about that. Oh, I said, but wait, do we need to know anything about this boarding house? <laughs> yeah, well, so they finished the interview with Bork. And as they're driving away, Brennan turns to Apple and says, I want to go back to Beaumont, and I want to recheck room 348 at the Elegante. 348, that's where he was that's, staying. Right. That's where Greg was right. staying, yeah. And or Apple like, says, what for? Yeah. And he says, to find the bullet. Yeah. Apple says, the bullet? Apple was floored. He says, what are you talking about? But they Porque. did. 
Bear with me. Okay, okay. we'll go for it. I the guess Apple. Brennan thinks things. Apple we're, and we're Beaumont. We're not from the room screaming. <laughs> 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 you, look, you look confused. Apple well, and yes, Beaumont. you did that on purpose. <laughs> yes, you want that emotion, and then you're going to fix it. Yes, I am. <laughs> Apple and, and Brennan go back to Beaumont, and they go. They get access again to room 348, and they search every crevice of the room. They get down to their hands and knees. They shine flashlights into all, all the dark places. Me, when I'm looking for hidden cameras. <laughs> <laughs> and they find nothing. Ooh. Yeah, because, I mean, you got to yeah. think the bullet would have gone into him probably on the bed. So do they look in the mattress? I, well, I, I, if it's the same mattress. It hole it. <laughs> so, if it's the same mattress, yeah, I, I, I don't know. So they're about to give up. Yeah. Brennan, on the way out, spots a dent in the wall near the lockout door that led to room 349. It's one of those, hotels, they have a joint oh. door, but it's locked down on both sides, so you can't access the other room. You can't, if, you know, if it's a party room, whatever. Yeah. He says, you know what? That's probably where, you, if you open that adjoining door, it hits the wall. Yeah. And someone opened it really violently at one point and caused a dent. So that's just some, some typical, you know, bad Damage. hotel maintenance, right? Yeah. <laughs> Only he gets the key... And he opens that adjoining door, and it misses. Ooh. It's several inches too far to the right. Who did it? It is not. The door did not cause that damage in the wall. That's between room 349 and 348. 349, where the electricians were staying. He says, hmm. So they go into room 349, where the electricians had been staying on that night. And there it was. They found a little hole on the 349 side. Brennan checks the height of that on the wall with his hip, walks back over to 348, checks the height of the, the dent, the repaired dent yeah. on that side, and uh, it matches perfectly. So Apple and Brennan go back to room 349, and they poke at the hole. Yeah. And they find <laughs> it has been patched, but pretty badly, so by some weird substance that was kind of a light pink color and kind of flaky. So they scrape it out and scrape some off, and they find that it was dried toothpaste. Oh, I was going to say donut frosting. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I don't know if they smell it. Mm, that's mint. Toothpaste. Yeah. This and it lasted was, that long. It was not a professional repair, but it yeah. was. Not it the was, maintenance man. No, it was not the maintenance man. It was the spur of the moment repair, at least on that side. And uh, it was to cover up a bullet hole. But then. That had entered room 349. And exited the wall on room 348, which is a slightly larger hole that had been repaired by the maintenance, not knowing what it was. Oh, so the yeah. maintenance okay. had repaired 348's larger hole. The little hole had been repaired by somebody using toothpaste, and no one had noticed it until And now. they didn't think, oh, somebody died in this room? Maybe we should tell somebody? You mean when they repaired the hole? They, yeah. It, it, it probably Girl. was days later, and they didn't think. Remember, he had been beaten to death. Why should a hole I don't be? Know. It, it didn't or, register well, if ever found it. Could that be the person who made that hole in the first place and we're trying to cover it up? But on, then they would have the covered the other ones up too. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's but, confusing. But, uh, uh, they had access to 349. They wouldn't have had access to 348. That's true. So Brandon and Apple, they clear, cleared out the hole between the two rooms and they did, used a laser pointer. And the trajectory of the laser pointer was essentially perfect. It went straight across room 348 at the height just above the bed where Greg Flanagan had been lying and snacking and smoking and watching Iron Man uh, 2 on September 15th. But then we go back to the no external injuries. You'd see a bullet hole. Quote, unquote. But there was a little hole in his Oh, the gray's. <gasps> there 
we go. Quote unquote from Brennan, this motherfucker was shot. <laughs> he said to Apple. This man, he's writing the script himself. He wants a movie. <laughs> it's not always true that figuring out the how of a crime gives you the who. But in this case, yeah. the conclusion was inescapable. I guess. Well, they don't know exactly who, not but exactly. it's whittled Again. down. But they knew a bullet had passed from room 349. Mm-hmm. But also. Out the wall in 348, and then crashed into the scrotum of Greg Flanagan, lying oh. peacefully in bed, ripping through his innards and lodging somewhere that was missed by the coroner. Because yeah, I was going to say, so if it exited, there would have been an exit wound. Exactly. So. An exit, a bolt, yeah, but there wasn't. So it's so still it had in to stay his, in his body. body somewhere. Yeah. Like, in his chest. Exactly. If, uh-huh. Huh. Greg lived they, long they enough. They don't do x-rays? Uh, probably. Because, I don't know. Yeah, it would be metal, right? I think they would. They had, they had lots of uh, autopsy photographs. I don't know if they did x-rays, Yeah, though. maybe they don't do x-rays. Because they dug, they, they remember, they rip you open. Yeah. So they can see broken bones. Yeah. They, they saw, literally they found those two broken ribs. Yeah. And if they they don't suspect a gunshot, then why would mm-hmm. they do an x-ray to try to find a bullet? But true. if it's a mysterious death, I... Well, to the coroner, that's true. Who had forty-five minutes? Uh, yeah, this I was, was not a mysterious say, yeah. Exactly, that's what I mean. Yeah. You got to be more thorough. No, I'm Mr. not saying this is not a horrifically lazy job by the coroner. Yeah. Oh, I am. He, he was in a hurry. Yeah, so. he was. Greg had lived long enough to probably cry out in excruciating pain. He then struggled up to his feet and lumbered to the door, going to cry out for help, but then collapsed and he died in in short-lived agony yeah. from a bullet oh. that had gone. Uh, so he's just laying there. Legs opened, a bullet. I mean, he's just completely not expecting anything in the world, and suddenly a bullet rips through your groin and into your body, and you're dead within minutes. And he probably had no idea what happened, right? I had no idea, without any question. Yikes. So the who was kind of easy. The who was one or more of the three electricians that were in room 349, but which one and how could they prove it was still, was still a, a question. The first thing they had to do, though, was go back to corn Tommy Brown and kind of get him on their side. And they knew that would not be easy. Yeah, the corners almost never it. admit mistakes. As but we that's know. a weird thing to miss. So it's a very weird thing I mean, to miss. I'd be real nice and cajole him. They well, that's I don't, or, think, I don't know if that's Brennan's style. Uh, <laughs> he laid out the scenario, and for Brown, and Brown was just immediately disbelieving. He says, "No way! How could I have missed a bullet? How could I have missed a bullet wound?" How could I have mistaken the bodily damage from a bullet for a beating? He just didn't believe. He's no way this could be have happened. If there wasn't there, there was a tear on the scrotum. Though. There was. We'll get to that in a second. But I think a bullet would cause more than just a tear. Well, it depends on what kind of bullet, right? But How? if it went through already a layer of wall, that yeah. might have oh, dampened. That's true. But it still had enough force energy to go, yeah. force to go through him, horrific and cause Towards his horrible, heart. horrible injuries. Yeah, Ooh. all the way to his heart. And and the body, by the way, had been. Cremated at a mortuary. Yeah. So, I was and, say. And, and so Brown goes, the, if there was a bullet there, that fire is more than hot enough to, to burn, to melt, melt the away. bullet. So that's gone. It is? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's thousands of degrees for yeah. hours. Yeah. I mean, it's harder to melt bone than a, than a bullet. So Brandon walked through the autopsy photos with Brown and he pointed out to Brown the story told by Greg's body. He said it started with a cut in Greg's scrotum where Brown saw just sort of a laceration of something that was, that was caused by a kick, Brennan saw an, a bullet entry wound. He said, look, the tissue of the scrotum, kind of soft, it just wrapped back around it, enveloped around it, and, and so it yeah. disguised what it really was. Yeah. It had literally gone through his scrotum. If it had gone through like his taint, to use the technical term, I don't know sure. if the real actual term is. Perineum. That's it, perineum. <laughs> <laughs> you're <Sorry>. gooch because <laughs> it taints your ass it taints your balls then that would have been more noticeable that would have been a, a more noticeable entry wound yeah. but yeah. it didn't it went through his scrotum and it kind of like just disguised yeah. it soft 
Yeah. Yeah. And then he, he used the photos, the autopsy photos, to trace the damage up his body, the, the intestines, the liver, the stomach. And then he said, let's look at the heart. And Brennan saw a bullet hole where Brown saw a rupture. And he even said, he goes, well, a, a beating, a, a lot of force could have caused, can cause the heart, the rupture. I don't think that's a bullet hole. And he, so he takes the picture and he points to the spot. And he, says, he says, Doc, that's a fucking bullet hole. Yeah. And he holds it up for Brown to look at again. And Brown expects it. And then all of a sudden, Brown just sort of sighs. And he finally says, yep, that's a bullet hole. The media is going to kill me on this. <laughs> well, well I, I, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah. What? Yeah, now you're throwing yeah. him a bone? No, we yeah. just established that he did a rushed, shoddy and job. And we've seen enough Deadline 48, et cetera, to say that, no, the coroners are just, they could be just clearly proved wrong and they'll yeah. still stick to their guns. Oh, no, yeah. Eagle baby. So, yeah. so good for Ego him. And, for, and liability, I think, yeah, too. Yeah, good yeah. for him for yeah, admitting it. Exactly. That, that is true. So it was back to Wisconsin for Brennan and Apple. They tracked down Tim Steinmetz first. I think they had an idea of who was the who here. So they, they get this Tim Steinmetz and they talk to him. He was, again, remember he was one of the three men in room 349 that night in September of 2010. And they found, they found out later that he had actually talked to, he called Lance Mueller when he found out that the cops were coming to talk to him. I wanted to talk to him. And they sort of got the story straight. So Steinmetz goes to the local police station back in Wisconsin, and he gives the visiting detectives, well, Detective Apple and also uh, Brandon. Ken Brennan, yeah. He, he gives the whole account. It agrees in, in all the details what, they, what the, he had said earlier. And it's a very matter of fact. And they're like, okay. And they're just like taking things down, writing everything down so he can sign a statement and just kind of very almost friendly. And then when he was done with his statement, they thanked him for his time, and they rose as if they're going to leave. And he's like, well, that's it? You guys you know, flew all the way up from Texas to, to, to do this? And he was very startled. And he said, yep, that's all we can do. Until you sign that statement you just made. When you do that, when you sign that statement, you will have signed a false report. You're going to obstruct justice and be guilty of obstructing justice because we know for a fact that Lance Mueller killed Greg Flanagan, and that you help cover it up. Stop committing crimes for Lance Mueller. You've already done so. He's not worth it. You're just going to make this worse. So tell us the truth. Steinmetz continued to kind of bluff for a while, bluff, bluff his way out of it. And they said, you know, loyalty to your friend is, is one thing, but this is murder or something really close to that. Don't screw yourself. You're going to screw your family. Tell us what happened. And then just sort of like a balloon, Steinmetz deflated. He sat back down. And he then proceeded to tell Apple and Brennan everything. Yeah. Did they just get him? Every detail. Did you play him like a fiddle? They did. I, I, I think he desperately wanted to come clean. He's, How he's did not they a, know a bad which person. one? I, was I it a blood? I think they got they, It was probably a, a guess, but I think they, they could read these, these guys' personalities well enough. Yeah. Lance Mueller oh. was the... He he was the asshole. He okay. was the alpha male douchebag of the group by Impetuous. far. Are they? You'd think they they could check gun records, couldn't they? To That's see what I thought. Who, to see who has a gun registered in their name, they could see if either one one of the two had a registered. Yeah, they, you know they may have. I didn't read yeah. that, but they may have. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Plenty of unregistered. I mean, they may though. both have had a gun yeah. registered to them. That's true. Um, so Steinmetz told him everything. When that was done, they then went to talk to Trent Pisano, the third guy in the in the room. And he corroborated everything. He wow. said this, he told him the same story that Steinmetz told. He he just said, "Yep, I'm going to tell you." Wow. Yeah. So here's what happened. I think says Monk. The <laughs> the three oh, men 
were drinking beer in room 349, and they wanted something a little harder. So Pisano went to either, you know, I'm, I'm not completely sure it was either his car or Mueller's car to get a bottle of whiskey. I think it was Mueller's car, but some of the reports I read kind of mistake that or mixed that up. And he, so he's leaving to go get the whiskey. And as he's leaving, Mueller goes, hey, you know what? Also, while you're there, why don't you bring that new gun yeah. I have, that 9 millimeter Ruger, Let's check it out, man. Let's just look at that gun. Let's you know, play with a gun. Do. Uh, well, a and drink whiskey and at the drink same whiskey. time. After you're already drunk. So Pisano obeyed, he, and he got back with the, with the booze, and he gave Mueller the gun. And then the intoxicated electrician, Lance Mueller, started playing with the mm-hmm. gun, as you will, kind of screwing around. He actually then pointed it right at Tim Steinman's head. Oh, my God. Steinman just hit the floor, shouting a curse yeah. at Mueller to knock that shit off. Mueller just sort of chuckled, and he started to wave it toward Pisano when suddenly there was a deafening roar. At first, Pisano thought that he had been shot. He, and then he kind of turned, and he saw that little hole in the wall yeah. that led to room 348. And Mueller sobered up fast. He knew, I mean, he's a shit. I yep. just discharged a firearm in a hotel. The guy next door is going to report us. He's going to call security. I'm in trouble. I could get fired. So he quickly wrapped the gun up in an item of clothing, and he rushed to his car, and he hit it. Mm. By the time he got back to the hotel room that he shared with Steinmetz, Pisano had bailed. He would have nothing to do with this bullshit. Smart. Yeah. So not wanting to be there when that knock on the door came from security, Mueller and Steinmetz went down to the bar. I'm guessing probably to try uh, to, like, no, we've been down here. What are you talking about? We've been down here for a couple hours. Uh, you know, been yeah. just drinking beers quietly in the corner over here. They wanted to have a, a, a quasi-alibi for, no, it wasn't us who shot the door through our room. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Room. I'm not the smartest electrician. No, but bunch. it's better than just waiting there and, you know. They waiting for, Yeah. The only incongruous part of Steinmetz's story was the claim that you remember of he said that Mueller, he and Mueller returned to the room around midnight and heard a cough yeah. from next door. That didn't make any sense from the whole scenario that Brandon had. I just assume they're lying. You know, it's, it's a weird lie. It actually makes them look worse. Yeah. Because if that's true, he was alive right. hours after they know they shot yeah. him accidentally. Actually, if later I was on. the cop, I would think, well, they're just mistaken about what direction the cough came from. Uh, that or yeah. the time. Brennan thought they yeah. just mixed up the time. That he probably was coughing throughout yeah. the night when they were in the room because yeah. he was a smoker. He just thought they messed up the time. He thought they just made an innocent mistake. He didn't think they were lying about it because, again, it's, it's not a smart lie from their perspective. No, but it, it made it look weird. It made it look like he was a... If that was true, he would have been alive for hours after he was shot in yeah. the, the corner. And every, medical science says that's hugely unlikely. Yeah. He died probably in five or ten minutes at the most. That's kind of where it sat. Steinmetz served one last useful task. He wore wire to speak to Mueller and get him to talk about the incident, oh, incident openly and, t- and actually talk about it. And he did talk to him, and Mueller did. You know, he says, like, ah, remember when that gun, that bullet went off, and da-da-da-da-da, and Mueller is just going, yep, yep. So Mueller completely gave himself up in this recorded conversation with Steinmetz. And then at the end of that, that conversation, Steinmetz told Mueller, I just spoke to the police. I told them everything, the whole truth, all of it. And Mueller was floored. He says, are you shitting me, Tim? You told him everything? You told him the entire truth? And, and Steinman said he did. He hung up. Mueller 
apparently had convinced himself that Greg's death was by a beating and was coincidental yeah. to the gunshot. He heard, because they followed the case naturally, and he yeah. heard this guy was beaten to death. That's weird, but it has nothing to do with my accidentally shooting that gun off. He'd yeah. actually convince mm-hmm. himself. Or at least, yeah. I don't know, maybe he did. Denial's powerful. Very yeah. powerful. Because that night, after he's talked with Steinmetz, he got drunk, and he called Brennan. Remember, he had Brennan's cell phone from the investigation earlier. He called Brennan, and he tried to like, drunkly just like explain everything. Here's what happened, you know? Yeah. It was an accident, blah, blah, blah. And Brennan just cut him off and said, I suggest you call your fucking attorney and hung up. Yeah. <laughs> so later, Detective Apple would remember something in hindsight that he kind of kicked himself for not recognizing at the time. Mueller and Steinmensch, as I mentioned, were, they were there. They were coming out of their room or, or back to the room, I'm not sure, when they were taking Greg out in the gurney. And it's just kind of, they're just kind of looking at it. It's kind of an awkward silence. And Apple had said something just to, to break the ice. He said, how's it going? And Mueller responded, quote, I was doing better until now. So they had, th- remember, yeah. so they thought, okay, nothing happened to us that night. Right. We're clear. The gunshot that we let off didn't do any damage. Yeah. And then the next day, they see a body being taken out yeah. in the room they fired into. He knew what happened. So he, yeah. he knew. He knew what he Well, did. he could, at that, in that, at that moment, time, yeah, he would have assumed, corner. oh my God, it we hit the it. guy. Yeah. Yes. But then when the cops come to you and say he was beaten to death. Yes, that is weird. So but, I could see how. But you knew you fired a, a bullet into I, the room. Yeah. You know? And I mean, the cops were like, we don't know. Yeah. Maybe he was beaten to death. <laughs> yeah. They didn't, I don't know if no, they it was it like No, it was like the official coroner yeah, says, I, man beaten yeah. to yeah. I could see I, how yeah, you would totally I, want to, you would you want, want to You would want to, but that. it doesn't mean you, you should. Well, it's, it's if the cops are telling you that's what happened, I, yeah, then. But but you're the one who knows the cops are wrong. Well. I mean, right? Mueller was sentenced for his no-contest plea to manslaughter on October 29th, 2012. Both Brandon and Susie were there in Beaumont for that. And I guess the judge started summing up, and he said something like about this terrible accident, and Brandon just goes, oh, shit, this guy is going to let this guy off. But then he started. the judge started pointing out all of the stupid and irresponsible yeah. Yeah. things that, that Mueller had done, and he gave him his 10 years, which was about half... The allowable sentence, though, he yeah. could have given. So in the end, though, that was probably the best case because the county DA in Beaumont had originally not even been willing to go for manslaughter. What? Really? He said that accidental gun discharges in Texas happen all the time. Of course. And that a jury and a judge will be very lenient on these guys if I come with that kind of a case. If when they kill somebody? It's Texas, baby. It happens in Texas. Guns go off. All, that's what he said. He literally said, guns go off all the time. I don't think I'm going to win this case. This is not a slam dunk like you think it is. And yeah, go off all the time when, when, you're, when it's cans. a true accident, not when you have it in a hotel room, yeah. you're drunk, you're but, playing but, around with it, you point it at your friend. Wave it around. I mean, th- this, that's reckless disregard. True, but you got a good lawyer that's and you got a Texas more than jury. An accident. The DA thought, I, I don't know if I can win this case. So Brandon went and got Susie and brought him back, and they basically begged and threatened the DA Ooh. to do his job. Brandon basically promised at the end, he said, I will not let this rest if you don't move in the Mueller case. You need to charge with manslaughter. And remember, he'd been on 2020 and stuff like that. Yeah. I think the DA just got scared yeah. and brought the case to trial and won. Because again, the, the, the facts were incontrovertible, and they got a 10-year sentence. So uh, I don't know if he's still in prison or not. It's been more than 10 years now. Well, that's about nine years now, so I don't know if he's in prison or not. It's not long enough. Yeah, it's not nearly long enough. Okay, what about the other two? Susie, 
I don't know. That's not the other two. I don't know. I don't think they got charged with anything serious at all, to be honest. But I, but I don't know that for a fact. I mean, they didn't fire the gun. Yeah. Why? I'm not saying I they don't should. Know. They should have. They, they did obstruct justice. justice they lied like yes, to the that's police. True. You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. They may have gotten something, but I yeah. don't know what it was. I don't think it was jail time. Susie, though, she had one last comment. She was watching Mueller's face when the judge was giving down his sentence and said, you're going to go to jail for 10 years. And she said Mueller looked shocked, like he didn't expect yeah. that. I'm sure he didn't, because Texas. Yeah. And she liked that. He looked shocked, she said later, but not as shocked as my husband was. Yeah. Oh. And that is the story of the killing. I'd actually go saying the murder of Greg Flanagan. Who died a horrific, horrific death by some um, yeah. dummies? He still would have died had they immediately like knocked on the door and said, "Hey, you okay in there? We just fired a gun." Had they done the right thing? Yeah. But who knows? The coroner said like it could have been up to thirty minutes that he lived, so it's not completely impossible. But there was damage to the heart. Yeah. yeah. So it's and there was a lot of bleeding, so it, he probably would have died. And yeah. the coroner said it, it, it could have been up to thirty minutes, but it's probably more like five or ten. Yeah. Eek before he died. And it wouldn't, still. I mean, they were drunk. They still would have yeah. been in just as much trouble, so. But they would have been, they would have done the right thing, obviously. Yeah. Instead of covering up, yes. if they got away with it, Susie Funnigan never has any idea what happened to her husband. Yeah. If, they, if Ken Brennan hadn't, hadn't have sure. solved this one. Yeah. So it's because of Susie that her husband's case got solved. Susie would not arrest. Or actually Susie's friend. Yeah, thanks Susie's friend who well, said hello. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and her, his brother, too. Like I said, his brother put out a reward and, and hired a PI, just not as good of a Yeah, He didn't know. He didn't know any yeah. better. So that is the story. Yeah. I think so, too. That's, like I said, it's not a whodunit because we know who did it, but it's just it's an amazing story. Yeah. It's a, a cautionary tale. Don't play with guns at hotels is what yeah. I say. I've been saying that for a long time. I'm on record. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to back down from that. Come on, Texas. Anything, hmm. anything, you guys? Do we know how Susie's doing now? I'm sure she's, she's doing fine. great. I have no idea. She's been married. <laughs> she's younger than he was. She's little, I so, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure she's doing just fine, but I have no idea. I hope so. Me too. Okay, thanks, okay. Dean. Thank ah. you. You're welcome. Glad to, glad to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, that's it for Word World this week. We did it. Join us next week. If you don't already, so. subscribe to us, rate us, and review us. Do yeah. that. Give us a good review. Yep. Please. Be helpful. Thank you. Okie dokes. All right. See you guys. Bye. Bye.